On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about family trees. Yeah, we're going to talk about three family trees and what we can learn from the first two that will help the third one. We'll explain that when we, when we get started. All right, it's the three family trees. One of them is not, hasn't fully grown yet, Oh, but we're going to look tease. at two old ones. All right, well, it's going to be a good discussion. We're getting started on the Virtual Bible Study right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday june 27th 2019 thank you for joining us tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here jacob great to be with you tonight with you kyle's here behind the controls kyle welcome it's good to be yeah i'm glad that you're here glad that you're listening on the other end of the line tonight we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com and uh you can uh, sign in the chat room with other listeners tonight, uh, sign in there and share your comments. We really want to start pushing, Jacob, our community Bible study okay. that's coming up. Yep. Uh, we have this every summer in Columbia, Tennessee. It's usually about the third week of July. This week it is. This year it is. It's the, it's two nights, Monday and Tuesday night, July 22nd and 23rd. We go to a municipal auditorium near downtown, right off the square in downtown Columbia is the Memorial Building, easy to find. And we, we have that facility for two nights, Monday and Tuesday, July 22nd and 23rd. This year's theme is a, a is sort of a um, just grassroots kind of thing. God, family, country. Uh, the first night will be about God and how uh, how his principles should affect our families. The second night is about God and how his principles should affect our country. We think it's a good theme, and we think that the message will be very important. Wilson Adams, uh, that some of our listeners no doubt are familiar with, uh, Wilson Adams will be our speaker, and I think you'll really appreciate the important lessons that he'll be bringing. So if you're anywhere within a driving distance of Middle Tennessee, come to Columbia on July 22nd and 23rd. It's a Monday and Tuesday. Join us for the community Bible study at the Memorial Building on West 7th Street in Columbia. All right. Uh, again, if you have questions about that, you can email us questions. And you, you just pointed out to me that I had not yet put a, a notice of that on our website. We'll get that up on collegeview.com right away. All right. Um, and we have bumper stickers. If you'd like to get the word out with a bumper sticker, we would encourage you to do that. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com to get your free bumper sticker. And if you're listening to us in the archives, you may think, well, I, I missed out on that program. I would have liked to comment on that program. I had some thoughts on that subject, and I, too bad I didn't get to participate. Anytime you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study and you have a comment about something you've heard, we welcome those comments. We'd like to, to talk with you further about uh, maybe your questions, your comments. Uh, send those to questions at collegeview.com at any time. Uh, so that we can have a discussion with you. All right, on to the topic at hand, families, uh, family trees. Yeah, um, 
the uh, the idea is we can learn things from uh, and you, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time that you want to do something that's you know that's idea. that's a principle that even business people recognize right. that you can learn from what people have done in the past and yeah. you may you may get a big advantage from it certainly you can avoid mistakes by observing what people have done in the past and that applies in a wide range right. of, of areas business government politics we think it applies in families and we think we can learn some things by looking at some historic families and then talk about how we want to guide and raise our own families and so what we suggested to our update list earlier today was that we could look at the family tree of herod the family tree of jesus and then talk about our own family tree. How is it growing? All right. So here's the questions we sent out earlier today to our update list. And we always remind you that if you don't get our updates, please send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Questions at collegeview. Remember, collegeview is spelled peculiarly. C-O-L-L-E-G-E, collegeview, V-U-E. One word, collegeview.com. Questions at collegeview.com. Just say add me to the list and we'll do that. And here's the questions we sent out earlier today. Number one, there are several men in the New Testament who wear the name Herod. Explain this family tree and tell of some of their horrible deeds. Number two, in looking at Jesus' genealogy, for instance, as recorded in the book of Acts, Luke has one as well. What are some of the observations that you can make about this list of his ancestors? And then number three, what are some vital keys for us if we hope to raise godly families? Okay. So that's the way we want to approach that. So we're going to start out with this Herod family, which is just an interesting historical study. But you, uh, obviously they were corrupt from top to bottom, just a, a bad bunch of people. Um, and I, I put together a little chart that, that, Kyle, we're going to get you to pop it up there as we're talking about it off and on. So the the first of the Herods we read about in the New Testament was Herod the Great. Uh, Herod the Great... Uh, was the one who tried to kill baby Jesus. Uh, you remember he, the, the wise men came seeking Jesus. Herod found out and spoke to them, and 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 he was he was upset when they did not come back and tell him the whereabouts of of this child. So he had to go to Plan B. And so Plan B was to kill all the infants around Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. So uh, Herod the Great starts this family tree. Uh, I read some quotes about him. Uh, and here, I'm just going to read these to you. He was a madman who murdered his own family and a great many rabbis. He was the evil genius of the Judean nation. He was prepared to commit any crime in order to gratify his unbounded ambition. Mm. So Herod the Great. Herod the Great was an Idumean. Uh, uh, that was his tribe. The Idumeans were Edomites, and so they were descendants of Abraham and descendants of Isaac, but they were descended through Esau, uh-huh. not Jacob. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, his father, uh, who was Antipater, the Edomian, that was Herod the Great's father, Antipater the Edomian, he formally converted to the Jewish religion. But he, of course, he compromised everything in, in behalf of his Roman allegiances. Um, there was a lot of political intrigue in this time period uh, uh, with the Romans in particular. I mean, the famous story of Mark Antony and Cleopatra, 
they the the Herods were the, the the ancestors of these Herods, including Antipater the Idumean, were involved in some of that political intrigue. Uh, but it was because of this uh, desire to kill Jesus because he was felt that he was there was some political threat. Obviously, right. there wasn't any, but he felt that there was some political threat, and so he he wanted to kill Jesus and 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 of course failed in his effort recorded in Matthew 2 but uh he he made effort by killing all of the the young children male children around uh, Bethlehem that tells you a little bit about his bad guy there yeah a bad guy yeah anybody gets in his way i mean it doesn't matter the consequences so if you had if you had a sort of the, a patriarch of the family who was like that what do you think the rest of the family would turn out to be like well, Herod the Great had four sons. Um, Archelaus was one of the sons. And uh, when Herod the Great died, his the, the kingdom of Herod the Great was divided. Herod the Great was a was a a, a political pawn of the Roman Empire. Right. And so they the Romans would put these different people in, in positions of power throughout their empire. And he had a pretty large uh Territory that was assigned him and and given his given his authority through the Romans, but when he died, they divided his kingdom among his four sons. Uh, Archelaus, his son Archelaus, is the one who got rule over Judea, and it was when when Herod the Great died. Remember, Joseph had taken Mary and Jesus to Egypt, right? And when Herod the Great died, Joseph came back from Egypt with Mary and Jesus, but he was warned about Archelaus being on his father's throne. And in Matthew chapter 2, 19 through 23, Joseph took Mary and Jesus to Galilee, and Jesus grew up in Nazareth of Galilee. So there was something about him that was... Well, it was frightening to Joseph. He didn't think he didn't feel safe yeah. even with Archelaus there. Yeah, Archelaus was also a bad guy. He ruled for ten years, but he was such a bad guy and did such a poor job that the Romans replaced him with a series of Roman governors over Judea. That would include Pontius Pilate, mm-hmm. uh, who was the governor at the time that Jesus was crucified. Later, we would read about. Felix and Festus, who were governors, because the Romans took this area away from the Herod family, because basically because Archelaus did such a bad job as ruler. So that was one of the sons of Herod the Great. Another was Herod Antipas, sometimes called Herod the Tetrarch. Uh, Antipas received the territory of Galilee. Interesting, he was Herod the Tetrarch. Tetrarch means ruler of a fourth or ruler of a quarter. That's why he had that name. That's why he was Herod the Tetrarch. Uh, He was the guy who married Herodias, who was his brother's Philip's wife. So Philip was married to Herodias, and he he stole her uh, from Philip. So he stole his own brother's wife. We're talking about a bad family here. You talk about bad things lead to bad things. Here's this this Herod Antipas, Herod the Tetrarch. He steals his brother Philip's wife. And, of course, John the Baptist rebuked him for that. And that ended up with uh, Antipas putting John the Baptist in prison and then ultimately at 
at the request of Herodias's daughter, he had John the Baptist beheaded. He, uh, the indication was he was sorry for it, but his pride was too great because he had offered this girl anything that she wanted. And her mother said, ask for the head of John the Baptist, and she did. And, and so because of his pride, he followed through and, and killed a, a, a good, innocent man, but John the Baptist. he was honest enough to fear John, and he, he knew that he was a just and a holy man. Yeah. Uh, and, and, he, and he wanted to hear him. Uh, he, he listened to John. Yeah. So there's some. But, 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 there, but his pride was greater than his than his yeah. conviction. Yeah. And he could he could kill uh, just to, to protect his his pride. There you go. Not a good guy. No. Uh, Jesus Jesus warned about this guy. Jesus warned his disciples about this guy. You remember that in Mark or excuse me in Luke 13 verse 32 he called Herod that fox. Oh, that's him. Yeah, it was it was this Herod, Herod the Tetrarch, Herod Antipas, that Jesus called that fox, and he warned he warned about his evil. He warned his disciples about the evil influence of Herod in Mark eight verse fifteen. Now, still talking about this same guy, Herod Antipas, Herod the Tetrarch. He was in power when Jesus was on trial in Jerusalem. Now his his territory was Galilee. But he was in Jerusalem because it was the big Passover weekend in, in Jerusalem. Politically, you want to be where, where you have the most influence. And he, so there was a political advantage for him to be in Jerusalem on that weekend. And he was in Jerusalem when Jesus was on trial. And remember, Pilate learned that Jesus was from Galilee. He knew Herod was in town. And so he sent Jesus to Herod. Uh, Herod basically wanted Jesus to entertain him. And he wouldn't do it, uh, and so he sent him. He he humiliated Jesus, and then sent him back to Pilate. Luke twenty three eight through eleven. So all of that business is Herod Antipas, Herod the Tetrarch, famous, probably most famous for two things. He married his own brother's wife, and he was the one who was on the seat of power in in Galilee during the lifetime of Jesus, and was in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. Um, uh, real quickly, let's cover, let's cover these other two brothers. Philip, he lost his wife to his brother. We don't know a lot about him, but his territory was north and east of Galilee. He was married to Herodias before she was stolen by his own brother. And then the fourth brother was Aristobulus, and the New Testament does not reference him. He's not, he's not in, in the New Testament. Uh, but history says he was the fourth son of Herod the Great. He was reared in Rome. Uh, he uh, and and uh, Archelaus actually had him murdered. Murdered his own brother because he was envious of him. Mm. And so probably the reason we don't read a lot about him is because he died fairly early because his own brother had him killed. Four boys Herod the Great had, and every one of them a scoundrel. Yeah, so Herod the Great had a bad family. He had four sons, all of them bad. I think it's time for Let's grab a quick break. When we come back, we want to talk about some of the grandchildren and great-grandchildren of Herod the Great. All right, we're going to break, and we'll take your thoughts. Uh, if you have any during the break, Kevin concludes Herod's family was not good, and we certainly would have to agree with that. Um, and we're seeing, a, we're seeing a chain here, a, a, a trail of... Uh, of wickedness and looks like it started at the top uh and are there lessons for us 877-381-4567 don't go anywhere we're back right after this there's more of the virtual bible study to come after these important messages stay tuned 
Misconception number 22. The folks at the College of Church of Christ don't like music. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is we love music and use it as often as we can in worship. Granted, we don't have pianos, organs, guitars, or drums, and we can explain that if you would like. But we do have music, good music. You ought to come and be a part of it sometime. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The world belongs to the man who is wise enough to change his mind in the presence of facts. When you think, you thank. Where complaining exists, thankfulness is absent. Nothing is more frequently opened by mistake than the mouth. He who is too busy to pray is far busier than God ever intended him to be. Money is not required to buy one necessity of the soul. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, Herod and uh, well, family trees. We're looking at the family tree of Herod right now and the wickedness that, uh, that really infiltrated the whole family. Hey, Jacob, I got a request on the on the YouTube chat window. When there's two chat windows up. We we obviously watch the the chat roll that's embedded on our page more often, but there's also a chat window on the YouTube page, and on that chat window, someone said, is there a way we can get the, the chart? Oh. Uh, and so uh, send me an, an email to questions at collegeview.com and say, please send me the chart. And that way I'll have your email, and I'll shoot it right back to you tomorrow. All right, good. Send me the chart. Send it to questions at collegeview.com. Good. Okay, so real quickly, we need to wrap up about here. And I just think the history of this family is incredible. Let's put it in perspective because yeah. you hear the names and seeing it, seeing it laid out like this really helps. Yeah. yeah. So one of Herod's grandchildren was Agrippa. He was the son of this Aristobulus that we mentioned. Aristobulus is not mentioned in the New Testament. He was the fourth of Herod's sons murdered by his own brother. But one of his sons was Agrippa I, and he's Herod Agrippa the first. He still has that family name Herod, mm-hmm. and he was the Herod who had J- James killed in Acts chapter twelve. Remember, as the persecution against the church grew, Herod had James executed. He saw that the Jews really liked that. He was going to try again for an encore, and so he was going to try to. He 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 made a plan to execute Peter, and mm-hmm. but you remember Peter. Uh, an angel helped Peter to escape from prison. Yeah. Uh, the next day, when Peter was missing from prison, Herod had the guards all killed. Uh, and then he went out and uh, allowed himself to receive worship as a god. Yeah. And Acts chapter 12, verses 20 through 23 says that he was eaten with worms and died. Gruesome. A gruesome death. That was Herod Agrippa I. Now, he had three son or three three offspring i should say he had three offspring who are mentioned in the new testament one was a daughter drusilla mm-hmm. drusilla was married to the roman procurator felix yes and she's she would have been there when paul preached to felix and made felix tremble mm-hmm. when he told him about judgment to come Drusilla was that Felix's wife. She would have been there to hear the Apostle Paul plead his case to Felix. Of course, Felix left office and Festus came into rule. And Herod Agrippa II, obviously a son of Herod Agrippa I, Herod Agrippa II was the King Agrippa. 
that Paul preached to in the presence of Festus, the Roman pure procreator, and it was Agrippa, it was this Agrippa, Herod Agrippa II, who famously said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Do you remember Paul said, I know you know about these things, uh, O King Agrippa. Well, it's because this whole-haired family was officially converted to the Jews' religion all the way back to Herod the Great. Or actually, before Herod the Great, Herod the Great's father, Antipater the Edomian, had converted to the Jews' religion. And so they were nominally practicing Jews still yet, uh, all the way down. And so this would have been son, grandson, great-grandson. So Herod Agrippa II was the great-great-grandson of Herod the Great. Mm. And he's the one, the King Agrippa, that said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now... Here's a here's a dark side of the family. The, the whole the whole family story is nasty. Yeah. So Agrippa the first had three offspring: Drusilla, Agrippa the second, and Bernice. Well, you might not remember that when Herod Agrippa came to hear Paul, when when to this, it was this Agrippa Agrippa the second that Paul said, preached to him, and he and Agrippa the second said, "Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian." With him in that text is Bernice. Mm-hmm. Bernice was his sister. Mm-hmm. And history very thoroughly rumors that Agrippa II and Bernice had an incestuous relationship, mm. brother and sister. Um, she was there when Paul made his defense before Festus and Agrippa. And Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So what do you got there? So there's the whole Herod family history you got all sort of political intrigue but you also have murder adultery incest mm. i mean uh, i mean you talk about a bad a, a bad bunch of people yeah. and what 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 do you learn from that i think you learn that families follow the, i mean typically children fall farther away from God than the parents are. If parents allow themselves to be so just so far into evil, their kids will take it farther than they did. And you see that. You see that in this Herod family. All right, uh, certainly. And, and we can see that uh, in our own history as well, our experiences. Uh, Kevin says, we need to look around at our family to see if we are being influenced by them or if we are influencing them. I think that's a great point, Kevin. I, I think... I think, sadly, we do see parents and grandparents who let their children influence them in bad ways. And the the parents and grandparents start signing off on bad behavior of the children, which is just very sad. And children can follow in their parents' footsteps. And and parents, children assume, well, that's what my mom and dad or my grandparents did. And so that's the way I'm going to live. We need to make sure that we're going by the scriptures, and that we're not allowing our families to influence us. And if we will be strong in uh, our faith and commitment to the Lord, we will influence our family for good. So good comment tonight, Kevin. All right. So just uh, just as we're wrapping up that business about the, the Herod family and all their evils, uh, we, we would repeat, if you'd like to have a copy of that chart, uh, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and say, please send me the Herod chart, and we'll be glad to do that. All right. Shall we get on to Jesus then? All right. So there's one bad family tree, uh, and, and you sort of see bad leads to bad. Bad leads to even worse. 
And uh, so I think there's some real lessons to learn there. And I think as parents, uh, just just make note of the fact, if you let down, your kids will will learn from that. They'll take it farther than you ever imagined. If you compromise a little, they'll compromise a whole lot. And uh, if you engage in just some some forms of evil, they'll engage in more forms of evil. Now, that's obviously there are exceptions to that rule, but that's the that's going to be your your general trend uh, with families, and we need to learn from that. Kyle, have you witnessed that? Uh, I mean, you, we've seen that, right? You've seen fam- children who end up being like oh, their yeah, parents. It is like you said. Like if there's compromise, they which children do. They watch you, and you'll be very surprised at what children will replicate. They'll copy you, and they'll mimic you, and they'll expand upon that. So it's it's it will happen. You know that's a that's a and uh, something for us to consider. You know, Kyle, someone would say, you know, I'm going to live this way. It's just between me and God. I, I'm, I'll take the consequences. I'm going to do it. I don't care. Well, you got to think about. The ones you love the most are being hurt and influenced uh, for bad when you live that way. Absolutely. All right. All right. So let's go from a bad family tree to an excellent one. Sounds like a good idea. We can learn from the family tree of Jesus. You know, studying genealogies has become sort of a popular pastime for lots of people. You into it? I'm not into it. Uh, uh, Kyle, you into that? Uh, I have. I used to make a high. I have my. Well, mine is pretty much complete. I've done okay. mine years ago. It's, oh, you got the family tree. Yeah. Oh, you okay. got. Oh man, it uh, looks better than the Herod's family tree. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Uh, obviously, we have a lot of attention to genealogies in the Bible, going way back into the early chapters of Genesis. We have long lists of genealogies, uh, and a lot of them are very important for us in establishing the identity of Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. And so uh, in in the New Testament, Matthew and Luke record the genealogies of Jesus. And and I think there's some valuable moral lessons to learn because we, we're sort of tempted to pass over those genealogies. You know, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 1, I, oh man, it's just a long list of names, and I, I can't even say them all very well. I'm just going to skip over that, you know. Yeah. But there's some things to learn there, um, uh, and and we, we want to talk about them. But uh, the first thing I want to point out is that Matthew and Luke's accounts are different, mm-hmm. uh, and and I and that is a very involved and detailed study. And we don't have time. I'm not even necessarily qualified to engage that in depth discussion. But I I just would point out um, that. Uh, Matthew's account omits a number of names that Luke's account includes. Uh, for instance, Matthew has 12 generations between Zerubbabel and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Luke has 21. Uh, so uh, there's an obvious difference. Uh, apparently, the the intention of condensing the list of of names that in Matthew's account uh, was to make it easier for people to memorize. I think people did that more so in the past. They were they, really, I mean, this was very serious business for a Jew. Oh, yeah. They were really into genealogies. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, again, some speculate, although I don't think anybody could say for sure, that that Matthew's account was abbreviated to, a, to accommodate uh, 
memorization. There are three sections of 14 names each in Matthew's account. Uh, uh, That would sort of harmonize with three distinct periods of Jewish history. It would be a play on the perfect number seven. Uh, uh, The significance of 42, three times 14 is 42. Uh, That's sort of that that prophetic expression, time, times, and a half time. Uh, And it might be that it was a play on that, that all of the prophetic things about the Messiah are now coming to pass in Jesus. I, I, I don't think anybody can say for sure whole volumes have been written about the genealogies of Jesus and, and and a comparison between Matthew and Luke. But I would just want us all to be comfort, comfortable in saying there's not just a gross contradiction in the scriptures. Although the accounts are different, they're, they're understandably different. Why? And, and it's not in the category of, well, the Bible just can't be relied upon because of these contradictions. It's not that. Okay. All right. So let's let's grab a break, Jake, and when we come back, let's talk about some of the things we can learn from looking at the genealogy of Jesus. We need to learn uh, from the positives of uh, Jesus' genealogy. Not all of it's positive, but uh, there are positive things in Jesus' genealogy. And Kevin says, we what one generation abhors, the next generation tolerates, and what the one generation tolerates, the following generation adopts. Uh, and certainly we do see that in our own experiences, uh, that uh, we have to be careful about the legacy that we're leaving. And Kevin says, my Ancestry.com genealogy goes back to the 12th and 13th century, but through the Bible I can trace my ancestry back to Noah and even all the way to Adam. There you go. I think you're right, Kevin. Right, thank you, Kevin. But I really like Kevin's comments that what one generation abhors, the next tolerates, and the next adopts. And that just happens. It just happens. It's sad, but it is exactly true. All right. We're going to break, get this week's bullet point, and your thoughts on the other side. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. Every year, hundreds of new businesses are started here in our community. The Chamber of Commerce gladly reports on these new ventures in an effort to demonstrate that our local economy is healthy and growing. What they don't report quite so openly is that nearly an equal number of businesses close their doors each year. Why do these businesses fail? It's really very simple. They just do not offer services or sell products that appeal to a sufficient number of customers. In short, they go out of business because the buying public is generally apathetic about their continued existence. Whether we realize it or not, we're giving our vote as to whether these businesses succeed or fail. We do it when we make the choice to patronize a particular business or to trade elsewhere. We wonder if certain church members realize that a similar situation exists in local congregations. Some folks show an apparent apathy toward the continued existence of the church. They may attend occasionally, perhaps even most Sunday mornings. However, it's just too hard for them to make the earlier Bible study, and they never return on Sunday evening. Wednesday night assemblies are absolutely out of the question. They're entirely too busy, too tired, and so forth. What these folks are doing, whether they know it or not, is giving their vote to close the doors. If it was left up to them, no one would assemble and no work would be done. Are you one of these people who are trying to put the church out of business? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Jack. I am 8 years old, and this is Vulture Bible Study. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The Virtual Bible Study continues. And we're back as we talk about the family tree. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Be looking for information there on our community Bible study coming up in uh, July. 
uh, you'll want to be a part of that if you can. Uh, we're talking about the family tree tonight and uh, looked at the bad things from Herod's family tree. Uh, Jesus's family tree. There's a lot of things for us to learn from this. One of the one of the very simple observations I think when you read that genealogy of Jesus that goes all the way back, uh, God knows the details of of everybody's life. He knows everyone. He knows all things. He knows he, you know, you'd like to think, well, I'm so I'm so small and insignificant. God doesn't even notice my existence. He he really does, and and you read those genealogies, and it it just sort of makes you think. Hey, he knew he knew every one of those people. He knew uh, who their father was. He knew who their children were, and uh, he knew he knew everything about them. Uh, it, it's it's pretty amazing uh, that uh, you know the names of people that are included in, in the significant genealogy of Jesus. Some of the names there we don't even know very much about, uh, but the fact is that God knew them, and uh, and they played a role in, in bringing the Messiah into the world. We just have to constantly remind ourselves that God knows us, and He knows everything about us. There is uh, all things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Hebrews four verse thirteen. And Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. So, you know, a a simple lesson from reading a genealogy is, hey, there's evidence of the fact that God knows everything about me. He knows everything about my family. Nothing escapes his attention. Yep, absolutely. It's important to him. Uh, So, simple first point. Second point is... The genealogy of Jesus proves that God always keeps his word. Um, in the genealogy of Jesus, there's several people that God made promises to. Uh, and, and many of the promises were directly linked to their place in the Messiah's lineage. Abraham, for instance. Right. God promised Abraham three things. He promised him a land possession and, and many descendants. And thirdly, that through his seed would all nations of the earth be blessed. Yes. So Abraham, it was promised to Abraham. That was that that promise was repeated to Isaac and Jacob. Uh, uh, Judah was promised that a ruler would come from his descendants. Uh, uh, literally, David did, and and then spiritually, Jesus did. Uh, the Messiah promise uh, was made. You talk, uh, you talk about that being a patriarch patriarchal period that, that Jesus, uh, J- Jacob had made that prophetic uh, pronouncement about Judah. Uh, so there's some, some evidence of that, the fact that the patriarchs were the ones who were conveying God's messages. Exactly. There. Uh, one of the last ones mentioned, uh, one of the final references is, is Zerubbabel, uh, and promise was made to Zerubbabel about the Messiah being in his lineage. And so... Uh, this is a long stand this was a long standing development uh thousand a couple of thousands of years were yeah. involved and many generations what did we say what what did i say luke had uh what does luke have luke ha- luke has at least eight more at least fifty Fifty generations uh, in Luke's account, I think. You talk about uh, promises and ancestry; it goes back. I mean, and this this wouldn't be all that hard to establish for Eve. The promise was made to Eve that her uh, 
seed would bruise uh, the serpent's head. So a promise of Jesus' ancestry all the way back to Eve. Of course, everyone could trace their ancestry back to Eve. But, I mean, it starts there, and it, it, it travels all the way through. Yeah, right. What did Kevin say? That his, he can trace his ancestry back to the 12th and 13th century. That's pretty good, and I doubt that many of us would be able to do that well if we got on Ancestry.com. But think about that. That seems significant to us. That's 800 years ago. So Kevin can trace his ancestry back 800 years. Jesus' ancestry there was traced to Abraham and Adam, but especially to Abraham 2,000 years, right? Uh, and then and then even further back to Adam. So very significant. And God made promises all the way back there, and he fulfilled those promises. Titus 1 verse 2 says, God cannot lie. Yeah. And so when God made promises, he kept them, and he keeps his promises to us, too. And we see that in the, in the ancestry of Jesus and, and how, how it filled out. Okay. Uh, but then, maybe more particularly, because we were talking about the Herod family and how bad descendants came one after another in the Herod family. What about, what do we see, see about good people and bad in the ancestry of Jesus. Um, the ancestry of Jesus, obviously, and we're looking at primarily thinking about Matthew's accounting of it. There's some real Bible heroes in Matthew's account. Abraham is there. David is there, obviously. And those two fellows, not perfect, but they were good and faithful servants of God. But there are some bad characters in uh in Matthew's genealogy, uh, in Matthew 1, verses 9 and 10, Isaiah is mentioned. He was the one who was good until his pride got the better of him, and he was struck down with leprosy, you remember. Uh, Jotham was a good king. I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at the section, Matthew 1, verses 9 through 10. So Isaiah was pretty good until he, his pride overtook him. Jotham was a good king. Ahaz was one of the worst kings and Second Kings chapter 16, verse 3 says that he offered his son to the idol. Hezekiah was a great king. Manasseh was a terrible king. Amnon was bad. Josiah was very good. So in that one section of the, of the genealogy of Jesus, Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Am, Amnon, and Josiah, you go pretty good, good, terrible, the worst, great, Terrible, bad, good. What's what, what do you draw from that? What, for instance, Hezekiah was rated as a great king. His son Manasseh was a terrible person. See, maybe turned near the end of his life, but principally remembered as a terrible, brutal, murderous king. What went wrong? What went wrong that Hezekiah's son turned out bad? Lack of teaching. Uh, bad example, maybe, but Hezekiah himself seemed to have been a good man. Was he too busy? Was Hezekiah too busy as king and neglected his parental duties, as, as neglectful at home? Uh, I don't know, but, but when good people, you, you see good people who can have terrible offspring, and that, and that just encourages us that we gotta work hard at this. It's not gonna happen that's, by accident. That's true. It's not guaranteed. Just because we love the Lord and we want to serve the Lord, it's not a guarantee that our children will. And, I mean, and you look at that, I mean, it's not a, it's not a guarantee that they failed in the, as a, as a, a parent, but the chances are 
they did. It's possible that children, I mean, children are going to grow yeah. up and make their so own the, decisions. Hezekiah it's, it's possible. Could, Hezekiah could have done the best job that a parent could have done, and his child's yeah. still going to strike. Yeah. But there's a, there's a chance that there was something amiss. Uh, there was a, a deficiency somewhere. In his I, I think you're right that that children are ultimately going to grow up and, and make their own decisions. They're free moral agents, obviously. But don't. Our point is, don't assume that everything's going to turn out right. Just it's a given. D- we love the Lord. We go to church on Sunday. We get to make sure the kids are at Bible class. Oh, it's good. They're done. Yeah. Don't. You're going to have to work at it. And and so godly children don't just happen. I've heard people say, for instance, to someone, oh, you're lucky. You have good kids. I'll tell you, a person who has good kids is not lucky. Uh, that person has put forth effort to mm-hmm. to raise their children in godly ways. Godly children don't just happen by accident. And then uh, one last thing from the genealogy of Jesus and from his family tree is that God has equal interest in and can use all people. He can use men and women from every nation, prominent or obscure. Um, in, in, in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew's account, four women are mentioned in addition to Mary. Tamar in verse 1 of Matthew 1, or verse 3 rather, of Matthew 1 verse 3, Tamar, Rahab in verse 5, Ruth in verse 5, and Bathsheba in verse 6. Uh, okay. Now think about that. Two out of those four conceived children out of wedlock. Yeah. Um, so, uh, by the way, the list there in Matthew names the fathers of those illegitimate children too. Rahab is Rahab the harlot, right? Yeah. From Jericho. Uh Rahab and Ruth were foreigners. They were not Jewish. But, of course, Ruth was a sterling character, outstanding character. But all of this, I think, just emphasizes our point that God has interest in all people, men, women, people of every nation, prominent or obscure. And it's sort of, I guess Peter said it best in Acts chapter 10, beginning verse 34, Peter said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And verse 43 of Acts 10 says, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. And so God God knows everybody. Uh, he keeps his promises to people. You're going to have to work hard if you want to have godly children. God has interest and can use us all. And I guess one takeaway is you don't have to have a pedigree in order yeah. to be yeah. uh, significant in your service to God. Exactly right. Because as so we said, look, some look of those people. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. At, yeah. So, okay. All right. Uh, so we'll grab our last break. And then when we come back, what we want to do is that we want to uh, look at some things that we've got to really be careful to do right so we want a good family tree. Yeah. We don't want our family tree to look like carrots. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I'm looking at email, and uh, and we're getting several requests of people wanting that Herod chart. If you'd like that Herod chart that we talked about earlier and that Kyle was showing on the screen for us, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, and we'll get they're it. They're going fast. Yeah, they're going fast. Yeah, get them now you yeah, can. Yeah, and they're discounted tonight. And, and when they're gone, they're gone. <laughs> All, right. All right, we're going to break and go to the top hour. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. 
Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. Misconception number 34. The folks at the College View Church of Christ think you have to go to their church to go to heaven. Everyone else goes to hell. You may have heard this, but it's simply not true. We probably believe the same thing you do. We definitely believe the same thing Jesus did in Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will not to heaven, but those who do the will of my Father will. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 90% of teens report that they have experienced negative peer pressure, while 28% acknowledge that they felt their social status was boosted after they gave in to peer pressure. That information is via study.com. The Word of God says in Exodus 23, verse 2, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back at the program now. We want to talk about our family tree. This is where we get down to the crux of the matter here. What about our family tree, and uh, how do we ensure or influence it for good? Yeah. So, obviously, we're building a family tree. Herod did, and his was a nasty, rotten tree. The the ancestors of Jesus built a family tree leading to Jesus, and, and... and we all are blessed as a result of of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's our family tree? We're, we're building a family tree. If time goes on, who knows how long time will go on. If time goes on, Kevin was saying he's done Ancestry.com, and he can look back in his family 800 years. Okay, what about the future in Kevin's family 800 years from now, if time still rolls like I said, on? I'll trace my lineage back to Kevin Kelly. In Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. And and, well, and look, look at, what happened. Look at that. Look, look how look how this tree grew and w- wow. which direction it went. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's going to happen for all of us. And so, uh, what what would we do to make sure that our family grows a straight, upright, godly, righteous tree? How how do we do that? All right. And it's as you mentioned before, not going to happen by accident. What are we going to do? Well, I think it's got to start by our. Love and commitment to the Lord and our, our determination to be obedient as, as much as we can to do all that we can to be faithful to the Lord. Uh, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 22 verse 37 beginning, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Uh, uh, the reason I think that's the first and great commandment because everything else is based upon it. Uh, everything else I do is is determined by my commitment of love to the Lord. Um, so, but notice, uh, the Lord wants it all. He does not want compromise. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Uh, I think that the danger in our t- in our time is that it's so easy to uh, shuffle. Uh, shuffle God sort of to the back burner because we get so busy with the things that are immediately Absolutely. at hand. Yeah. You know, we got our jobs, the kids have got school, they got activities. We've got, we've got our recreation. We want to go camping. You know, we want to, we want to play golf. We, we, uh, we love to go fishing. And, and so we get so involved and then we realize we've let God, let God get out the picture. Yeah. But here's the thing. If we do that, if we compromise, so we're going on vacation this week. We got a lot of ground to cover. We got a long way to go and not very much time to get there. And Sunday just got to be a travel day for us, you know. 
we need to we need to cover 500 miles Sunday. Whoa, whoa. And I just we're just gonna have we're just not gonna make church this Sunday. We're just gonna skip it this Sunday. Okay. So there's the kids in the back seat. What did they just learn? They learned that God can be compromised uh, for certain things. And I want to tell you, they learned that lesson well. That 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 is a lesson that 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 registers in their mind. Just you know, sometimes you got to drill them to get them to learn certain yeah. principles. But that but that lesson is learned instantly and is 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 locked in. You, I've tried to make the point. You can go to church a hundred times in a row and miss one, and the one, the missing of that one, will have more influence on the kids than all the hundred others that you just completed. Yep, right. So we got it. We if we want a godly family, we have got to be deeply committed to God and to doing His will. Uh, and and uh, you know that's not like we're we're on a chain gang or anything like that. Uh, John said, first John five, verse eight, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. In other words, we, we demonstrate our love for God by keeping his commands and it's not a bad thing. It's not a hard thing. It's, it's a good thing. Uh, Moses in Deuteronomy six said that uh, the commandments of the Lord are for our good always. And it was true for the Israelites and it's true for us. And it's true for us individually, but it's true for our families too. The commandments of the Lord are for our good. And so if you want to, ha- if you want to have your family tree be excellent down the road, starts right there. And if you want to look another place in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 40, they, they were instructed, thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his judgments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee. And with thy children after thee. Right. So what we're doing today is the way that we live towards God is impacting our children. The, the Israelites were told, do what God said to do, that it will go well not only with you, but also with your children. Uh, and they were instructed to, to set that example for their children and to be teaching their children. And so we've got to make it a, a commitment. I think you're right. Okay. I would add to that that in, in, in successful families... Each person needs to know and accept their role. Uh, I mean, that's true in in business. You know, in in a successful business, people know and accept and fulfill their role in that business setting. And I think that that's really necessary in families. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And so, this is talking about leadership. I think a lot of times, what we, what we hammer on there is, wives, you be in subjection. Wives, 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 sub, submit, submit, submit. But you know what the verse is really talking about? Is that the husband is supposed to be the head? He's supposed to be the leader. The husband is the head of the wife, and so I think sometimes we hammer on the wives being in subjection, which is an important principle, of course. But the husband has got to assume that leadership role if the family is going to be successful, and we need to do that. Without good leadership, any enterprise is doomed, and without good and effective leadership, the family is doomed. So men. We would say if you want a successful family tree, then it's going to depend upon you taking firm, committed leadership role in the family. Okay.
uh, we remember the, the statement in 1 Samuel 3, verses 12 and 13, about Eli. Uh, God said concerning Eli, In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because he made his sons vile, and he, excuse me, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Uh, so, you know, uh, 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 Eli was was held responsible for not being a leader in his family, and I think men today need to really take that to heart. We'll be held accountable, uh, as Eli was, if we don't do our job. All right. So, hus- husbands and fathers have their work. Wives and mothers have their work. Children have to accept their role in the family as well. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So, children, accept your role in the family and, and fulfill that role. If we're going to have successful families Everybody has to know and accept and fulfill their role in the family. All right. Back to the point of uh, of loving God and being committed to him. Kevin says, let's not be passive regarding service to God, no matter how small and insignificant I might feel. Don't be passive about it. Be active and be leading in that. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I think Kevin's point is exactly right, that, our children are, are are taking a lead from us. If if we're just sort of a passive, non-committed church member, I mean, I've known of church members who were present every time the doors were open, but they were they were really not seriously involved. And in, I mean, they were present, but more as a spectator than 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 an active participant in the work that was going on in the local congregation. And so they. I've known of parents, and they did not miss services, but they weren't really active. They were passive, as the word that Kevin used there. And their kids turned out to be not interested in serving the Lord faithfully at all. Uh, so your kids are taking a, a lead from you, and they're going to follow in your path. Well, Kevin makes another point that's very valid here. Our influence is important at every age and station in life, and we need to be real, realize that. We have, as, as from as young as you can be to as old as you can be, your influence is very important. Yeah. All right. Exactly right. Um, obviously, if, if we're going to have a successful family tree, we're going to have to be sacrificial in serving one another in the family unit. Uh, Philippians 2 is a familiar text, beginning verse 3. Do nothing through selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, I don't think we do this very often, but can you think about applying that verse in the family? So in the family... Don't do anything through selfishness. Uh, regard one another as more important than yourself. Don't look out just for your own personal interest, but in the interest of others. Oh, that'd be that'd be real helpful in the family. That'd be very helpful in the family. Yep. Jesus said in Matthew seven verse twelve. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. That's the so-called golden rule. Do you ever think about applying it at home? Do to your family, fellow family member, as you want them to do to you. 
Uh, and then I think especially how we speak to one another, uh, harsh, sharp words. Uh, um, you know, sometimes it's easier for us to be uh, hateful and speak harshly to family members than it would be to a total stranger. Here's another verse that we don't think about applying it in the family. But how about a Colossians 4 verse 6? Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, uh, so that you may know how you ought to respond to every person. Uh, so respect one another. Uh, in the family unit if you're going to have a successful family. That environment in our family has significant impact on our children. And, and their, I mean, you, you've seen families that they, they, they did not have respect for one another. They did not have the environment they should have. But they claim to be Christians. Well, the child, when he gets out of that home, the, the farthest, he wants to get as far as he, way, as he can from, from the idea of Christianity and God. And you also see families who they don't have that respect. They're not godly families. Well, their children seem to follow in those footsteps because they don't have a pattern. And so it is very important that we have that respect in our families. Exactly right. Of course, an, another thing that, that is a big letdown in our culture today is if you're going to have a successful family, if your family tree is going to grow straight, it's going to, it, it takes training and discipline. Uh, as we said earlier, uh, good families don't happen by accident. You're going to have to train your families. And you're going to have to discipline. Ephesians 6 verse 4, fathers, leaders, family leaders, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's present tense. That's an active work. Bring them up. Keep on bringing them up. That's the, that's the verb tense there. So it's not, it's not a one and done deal. You're going to have to keep working at bringing your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And of course, the un, one of the unpleasant parts of that is discipline. Corporal punishment. But Proverbs 23, verse 13 says, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod, and shall deliver his soul from hell. Obviously, some people say, oh, yeah, the Bible's teaching child abuse there. It's definitely not, but it is teaching the necessity of child discipline. All right. Um, uh, and then, of course, stay connected. Keep talking. Uh engage one another you know one of the things about families in our day and time that is so sad is that they're just sort of like passing strangers uh, everybody gets so busy with what they're doing engaged in so many activities and if nothing else uh, uh sitting around watching tv or playing on telephone and and they never talk to one another uh, we were at a restaurant a while back they were uh, looked like i'm assuming mother father and two kids they weren't talking to each other. Each one of them had their phone out, and they were and they were engaged on their phone, and not engaged with one another. I don't think that bodes well for the family. Well, Deuteronomy chapter six, uh, the, the famous words there of Moses in Deuteronomy six verse six: <clears throat> "These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. Thou shalt talk of them." When thou settest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Uh, they, we're supposed to be talking with our children about God's word, and 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 that that means we need to be spending time with them, and we need to be having this dialogue that you. Well, when we're suggest. not talking, when we're not interacting, families fail for lack of that. Marriages grow apart. Parents and kids develop a uh, a distant relationship with parents losing touch, losing influence, and so we got to work at maintaining that relationship in in our families. Uh, uh, James 1 verse 19 might be an appropriate verse to throw in there. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. 
talk and listen. Talking is the easy part. Listening is the harder part, but that's a necessary part of communication. And then stay calm. Proverbs 29, 23 says, An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. Uh, stay calm. It's easy to get worked up. Uh, but but we, we need to maintain proper communication with one another in the family if we want successful families. Well, we need to establish an open communication about God's Word. and His will. Our, our children need to be comfortable speaking with us about, yeah, exactly about right. spiritual things. And back, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, as the, their children would grow up and see the things that were going on. In verse 20, when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what mean these stat- testimonies and these statutes and the, the judgments which the Lord our God hath com- commanded you, then thou shalt say to your son and explain to him the things. But the children felt comfortable asking those questions about spiritual things, and the parents were comfortable talking about them, or at least that's what Moses desired. Yeah. Uh, when do you do that, Kyle? Well, I think uh, which. <clears throat> We've talked about it here about uh, at College View, but um, kids associating with other kids and just also just if they just gravitate to other kids and other children or other teenagers and always stay in those cliques, they need the kids, children need to make sure they're communicating with elder members of the church too, not just among themselves and staying by themselves, gravitating and staying only in those little cliques. They need to. We need to make sure that uh, wow, you're singing my are, song. You're singing my song there, Kyle. So we need to make sure that they're associating with the elder members of the church and someone who has had spiritual experience. So we need to make sure that we're encouraging our children to branch out, to gravitate towards experienced members of the church, though, too. Good so. point. Good point. Yeah. We're right. out of time, Jacob. We're, we're past time. time. Yes, we are. Kyle, thanks for helping us tonight. It was good. Yeah, thank you for your time. It was a good discussion. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a pretty serious thing when you think about your family tree and what's yeah. it going to look like and what, yeah. what's your impact on it going to be, yeah. positive or negative. Yeah. Repeat uh, one more time. If you want to get that chart on the Herod family, just send me an email to questions at com. Say, send me the Herod chart. We'll okay. get it to you. All right. I uh, appreciate you being here. Hope you benefited from our study discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.